0: And I am Karen Wright. Joining me now is our good friend from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, Mr. Al Batt. Good morning, Al.
1: Hey, good morning. That's, um, you know, the thing on spam, I like spam.
0: Do you I like know. spam? You know, when I was a kid, I think I used to, but then I became a vegetarian, so I haven't had it in at least 42 years.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, I... I, I just, you know, I've I've heard all the jokes and everything, and I still like it. It's just one of those things. Uh, Karen and I were talking before uh, went on the air here. This morning, I was uh, off for an appointment, and it was 19 degrees, and uh, the windshield was icing up, and I had to have my wipers on. It just doesn't seem fair that at 19 degrees, we ought to have to deal with rain. So the road I live on was um, ice-covered. you couldn't see the middle of it or anything, ice and snow, but now the plow has been out and thrown a bunch of uh, sand on it, so now we have kind of that Oh, it'll turn into that brown slushy snow but at least it'll be drivable now
0: so i was yeah. saying yesterday on the way when i was taking grant to school yesterday i had to stop stop four times and i pulled off the road into like a driveway or something to clear the windshield because it was just icing up and, and i couldn't see anything and yeah it is it's just that that ice i don't mind the snow i don't mind the cold but when you get the ice that really muddles it up and, and makes it not safe
1: it it does indeed and uh, I'm just happy to be back home. And sounds like it'll be decent. I got to leave a little bit later, but it'll be nice by then. Apparently, sun will be shining, 55 degrees or something like that. But I, uh, I didn't get Washington or uh, Lincoln anything for their birthdays again this year. So I'm feeling kind of guilty. You know, it's President's Day. You should get them something. But uh, what do you get them? What do you get them? I just don't know. Uh, you know, the other day uh, before we had all the icy roads, I was out uh, driving around, and red-tailed hawks adorned trees, fence posts, and traffic signs. They're they look so big. They have uh, they look white underneath, really white, but they weigh maybe three pounds. They're not a big bird. They just look so much bigger than they really are. But it is so neat to see them and uh just uh I, on a day of nature travel and just uh, so thankful that february days warm the interiors of cars parked in the sun and that the starlings their bills are turning yellow as a sign of approaching spring so things are um this is today is not necessarily a sign of things to come it, it's going to get better it's going to we're going to have more bird song I'm hearing goldfinches and cardinals and chickadees and nuthatches and blue jays all and woodpeckers with their drumming, all signs of, of spring. So but isn't it,
0: typically March is the snowiest month. So, you know, once we just start thinking about getting out of it, we're kind of getting the snow again. So we're thinking, is it ever going to end?
1: Yeah, and I don't know if it's still our snowiest month or not. Uh, My birthday's in uh, March, so as a kid it certainly was because we we always talked about the blizzards during the high school basketball tournament, and there were always blizzards. I remember a terrible St. Paddy's Day storm where we couldn't... uh, we couldn't uh, go on the roads for like two weeks we were a couple weeks without any power and we were dairy farmers just made all kinds of fun but uh, now it seems like we get our winters in december january and february not too many years ago we didn't get a single snowflake in march really and one March? yeah one march day remember just a couple years ago it was 90 degrees
0: wow that's Which, that's um to me that's global warming but that's just <laughs> yeah,
1: me it's Set all kinds of records. Probably was the only 90-degree day we had all year, but the, I remember, and I, I wish I could remember the year, but we did not get a single snowflake here in March. And Every day I'd wake up and say, boy, it's coming today, you know, because uh, good Minnesotan, you think if things get too good, then something's going to happen. So I thought, boy, we're due for a blizzard, but it never came. Hey, everybody is uh, so cheerful now because they'll be getting uh, having their income tax done and everything. It just makes everybody so happy. Uh, I just, uh, boy, there are tax-deductible donations to the non-game wildlife program, and I know everybody out in their yellow dog wants your money. Everything is the best. Uh, The non-game wildlife program is a wonderful thing. They receive no money from the state's general fund for its efforts to support a wide range of animals that aren't hunted. So that's from eagles to loons to turtles to butterflies. It receives no funding from hunting and fishing license fees, lottery proceeds, sales taxes. It relies almost entirely on voluntary donations to support its work, and that work includes research to understand how creatures fit within functioning ecosystems, managing habitat, providing nature education, and assisting with recovery efforts for rare species. And they've been in existence, this program, for 41 years now, and it's played an important role in the recovery of bald eagles, trumpeter swans, eastern bluebirds, peregrine falcons, and other species. So, while you're in there and they're they're trying to get blood out of a turnip, just say, uh, "Boy, how about that ungame wildlife? I'd like to put a little bit in there." Uh, Roger Bat, a cousin from Algona, said there are bald eagles around the nest. He said the pair is around the nest where they nested last year and raised some young eaglets. And he said, they're not moving any sticks around. It's just like they're coming in, checking out the neighborhood to see how it's changed. Uh, Scott Routh of New Richland saw a snowy owl. Peggy Swenson said, I just let you know on Saturday at my feeders, I saw downy woodpecker, blue jay, cardinal, white-breasted nuthatch, black-capped chickadee, pine siskin, house finch, goldfinch, brown creeper, starling, crow, hairy woodpecker, house sparrow, red-bellied woodpecker, and for the 37th year in a row, no puffins. <laughs> so, yeah, hang in there, Peg. I, I hope one will show up for you. Uh, Brandon Krieger of New Ritsland saw a snowy owl, uh, Kent Spellman, who lives up in the Twin Cities, and thanks for listening, Kent, appreciate it, sent me a thing from Living on Earth, which is a public radio, uh, I believe it's available, I'm sure it's available on podcast, uh, but it said, you can help celebrate the year of the bird by finding ways large and small to protect them. So during the year of the bird, what can the average person do to help protect them? And the guy that answered this was Jonathan Franson, the pretty awful famous uh, uh, writer. I've read a number of his books. What he said was, in a way, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you do something. If all you do is pick up trash or help build predator-proof fences down at the local Audubon Reserve or help remove invasive plants from a wetland or contribute to some of the organizations that have resources to do larger-scale conservation work, that's a great thing. Kent also sent a couple of articles from the New York Times. One was that coffee beans are good for birds, whether it's a fancy brew or not. This was from a new study in India found that growing coffee doesn't interfere with biodiversity, no matter which bean the farmer chooses. It's the tree cover around the coffee plants that supports a wide range of animal species. Coffee farms are actually incredible habitats for the small critters, including birds, butterflies, and amphibians. And the other article from the New York Times that uh, Kent Spellman sent said animals are losing the ability to roam freely. A global study of 57 species of mammals published in the journal Science found that wildlife move far less in landscapes that have been altered by humans, a finding that could have implications for a range of issues from how well natural systems function to finding ways to protect migratory species. And I hope I summed those up halfway decent, Kent, but thanks for sending them. Uh, Lynn Bervin of Albert Lee. And um, Lynn, what a good guy. And Lynn's one of those guys that I really like, but I'm not always very happy to see him because he (laughs) works for a a funeral home.
0: Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So when I see Lynn, it usually means that somebody has shuffled off this mortal coil when I see Lynn. But he's just a good guy and um, very um, active in our local cancer support group here. Just does a lot of uh, good thing getting out and corresponding with uh, people that are going through all this. But he saw a snowy owl, which is really cool. I hope everybody sees one. Uh, Brad Abendroth saw a Townsend solitaire in Watwan County, and it sounds like there might be two of them, or the one has moved a considerable distance. Wade and Sharon Olson Uh, Wade and Sharon are from New Ulm I met them in the bookstore in New Ulm over the weekend um, and they said they're KMSU listeners and I I just thank you so much Uh, Wade and Sharon said they went snowshoeing at Flandreau on Saturday, that's a park in New Ulm I saw uh, a downy woodpecker chickadees, I was hoping to see a barred owl that was around a few weeks ago but with no luck I am watching the oriole nest swing from the end of some fine branches. Will the same orioles return this year and reuse those nests? I will be watching this spring. Um, Wade and Sharon, uh, yeah, Baltimore orioles don't reuse their nests from year to year. Exactly. Uh, but what I mean by that is the females will sometimes pull apart a previous year's nest and then use the materials from that. So Recycling, kinda,
0: that's a good thing.
1: It is, so they kind of reuse the nest, but not as as the nest was. They make a new nest out of it.
0: It's remodeling, that's what it is. and a lot of a lot of folks like to do oh. that. women especially.
1: Oh, remodeling, yeah, it's great fun.. Oof. <laughs> um, mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Wally Fink. they live in rural Albert Lee. And Mrs. Fink, I saw them this morning, and she said uh, it's the first time they've ever had cardinals in the yard. Uh, it's a farmyard. And they were just so happy. And she said if cardinals are here, angels are near, which I thought was a pretty cool thing. So, uh, Arlene Carr of Northfield asked if possums hibernate. No, they don't. Uh, boy, they should, because surviving our winter is a great, great challenge to them. They often alter their foraging habits during winter, so they'll come out during the day when it's warmer rather than feeding at night. And it's not uncommon for possums to suffer suffer from frostbite. You just look at their tails, and you say, "Boy, there's no fur on that tail." They're going to freeze it, and I see them with the tips. Uh, either a black color or the tips have frozen off. And I have read that if the temperatures rise to 28 degrees, a possum or it can remain active all night at 28 degrees. Uh, Possums first arrived in Minnesota in the southeastern part of the state is where they first came around 1900. And they weren't equipped for winters, uh, and you know, they still aren't. Uh, they need to go to uh, I don't know, Patagonia or REI or somewhere and get some good uh, Carhartt, get some good winter clothing. Uh, somebody asked uh, two questions here. Number one is, your friend the vole is in this one. Uh, this kind listener said, how long does a vole live? I hear you talking about them and I see them everywhere. Uh, The meadow vole, that's the most widespread and common vole in Minnesota. And when I was a kid growing up, we called them field mice. Some people would call them meadow mice. And they will live up to two years, but most of them survive less than a year. So you're thinking, well, I'll be done with these guys before very long. The problem is the University of Minnesota says that a female vole is capable of having five to ten litters each year with three to five young in each litter. And then voles have a population boom every three to five years. So if you have that one female, she doesn't have to be around very long uh, for her to produce um, all kinds of offspring and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and it's just uh, got all kinds of babies running around and you have a, a herd of moles. Or voles, sorry. Uh, and the same listener also said, "Do birds fly upside down?" Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and I can answer it by saying sort of. Um, your question reminds me of the song "Little Birdie" from a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. And they sang, uh, it was sung about Woodstock, Little Birdie, Why Do You Fly Upside Down. It's amazing at the way you get around Woodstock, that cute little yellow bird. Geese, I was watching Canada geese come in not too long ago, and they whiffle. Not, you know, if you're like me, you think about a wiffle ball, those mm-hmm. terrible balls we used to play in the yard where even the worst pitcher could throw the world's greatest <laughs> curveball with those things. But geese, they were whiffling by twisting their bodies to turn upside down while keeping their heads upright and still. And they did that in order to break before landing. So they were whiffling. So they actually flew upside down for a little while. I've seen ravens and hummingbirds fly upside down briefly. And I suppose they do that when there's nothing worth pooping on. So then they just fly upside down. Uh, Bald eagles can do a flip. Or uh, if you're in an airplane, you'd call it a barrel roll. And I'm sure there are other birds that do these kind of things too, but none of them make it their primary way to fly. So we're not going to look up and see a, a bird just zooming across the sky flying upside down. If, if we do, it's, we're in a bizarro world like the old uh, it would Superman. S-
0: it would seem not as efficient, um, you know, I, I guess, but that's just me, you know, flying upside down. It wouldn't be I, as I wouldn't aerodynamic, think, would you?
1: No, and just think if you get in uh, your your local delta flight out of the Twin Cities and you're going uh, <laughs> flying somewhere, done? you don't want to fly upside down. No. It's just and it'd be the same with birds, you know, their keys and everything falls out of their <laughs> pockets and it just makes all kinds of problems, but yeah, it's uh, none of them do it for any period of time. But it's um, it's neat to see. I love watching the whiffling geese come in. It's just a neat thing to see. And I know there's all kinds of videos out there and everything. So if you check out Whiffle, and it'll pop up uh, show you this goose doing this. And it, it's um, it's just one of those lovely things to see when you're out in nature. There's always those things that just make me go wow That that's something and um, you kind of walk off shaking your head or smiling or doing both because it's a really cool thing to see.
0: I've got something that's going to make you shake your head. All right. It's a question from our friend John. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Why did the chicken say meow oink bow wow?
1: Meow oink bow wow. And this is a chicken. I don't I, why would a chicken say that? Why would a chicken say <laughs> meow, oink, and bow, wow? I, because it I was raised.
0: it was studying foreign languages.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh, you know. And I, I raised chickens, too. And I, um, I should have listened to them more carefully.
0: Well, here's another one. What All right? did the horse say when it tripped?
1: I don't So we got a horse, and it's walking along, and it trips. Yep. What what would it say? Giddy up! I, I have I've, no idea. Well,
0: you're close. I've fallen. I can't giddy up.
1: <laughs> I can't giddy up. Oh, yeah. John, man. man, John is brutal. Yeah, John, John from New Alm, uh, fine town, and John's a fine man. And he just uh, he comes up with these. Uh, he, is it okay to call him painful? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're really great. and um,
0: But they're groaners. I, I would call them groaners. Groaners, That's yeah. what you want to, yeah.
1: Because everybody, you know, I love puns. I I, I do a cartoon strip that shall go nameless, but it involves a lot of puns. Which one is and, it, Al?
0: Don't know it. I want you to name it because I want to know which one it is.
1: <laughs> and I, I do a lot of puns in it, and people say puns are the lowest form of humor. which. It's- Kind of, kind of stings a little bit, but I, I love puns. I think puns are maybe the highest form of humor, and they, I do because I, I write puns. But I just, I love puns and that sort of thing. Uh, so I love this stuff, John sends.
0: Are you not going to tell us, Al? Can you not tell us? I, I am not going to tell you.
1: No. Oh, darn going to keep it a secret
0: i'm going to have to like i'm going to have to go look and see which ones and sometimes i I look at cartoons and i i think to myself is this something al would say and sometimes i think it is and sometimes i'm not sure so maybe there's other crazy people like you that think like you out there
1: are they wise things or something a doofus would say when you're seeing those
0: they're just silly
1: Oh, just silly. Okay, Silly's well, that's good. sort of in between wise and doofus. Like, right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good. That's probably where I am on a good day. So yes. Somewhere in between those, I it's. I saw a bald eagle today in this um, less than nice weather, but he was out. Didn't seem to bother him at all. Flying along, and it's. I still get. It, it's. I get more calls from folks. Let's say they saw a bald eagle or they had a bald eagle land in a tree near their home or they were driving down the road and a bald eagle flew over the car. And it is just so neat that people find such joy and uh, awe of seeing a bald eagle and I just uh, I found it I, I tossed an ear of corn out and a fox squirrel came and picked it up and then bounded away <laughs> through the snow and that made me happy in a way that defied explanation because each day brings a richness and a newness and one of those things that's very good at doing that are bald eagles we love seeing bald eagles they just they make uh, make our minds dance and i i, I can't uh, i can't see too many bald eagles and i remember one day years and years ago we were along the mississippi river and we were driving up and down no oh, red winged uh, Wabasha, and weaver and up and down there and we, i want to say we counted 687 bald eagles wow. something like that I never in my life dreamed I'd see one bald eagle, and then all of a sudden I was seeing 687. So I know the math was right, and that number might not be exact because there were several other guys in the car who were pretty smart, and I think one of them was a mathematician, so the count should be right. But I just, it was so neat to see that. And uh, somebody had asked me the other day, they said they'd seen a bald eagle wiping its bill on the branch of a tree. And why is it doing that? Well, it's because it doesn't have a napkin. Uh, Avian bills or beaks (laughs) are made of the same material found in the human hair and fingernails. So in most birds, like our fingernails, uh, they grow continuously, the beaks. And they're worn down by normal activity. So a raptor's beak is worn down by the bones, scales, feathers, fur of its prey. And it's called feeking. F-E-A-K-I-N-G. And that's the term for the process of rubbing the beak clean on branches or other hard surfaces after eating and it removes the debris from the beak and then does a little trimming on the beak. So when your feeder birds wipe their beaks, they might be removing debris left from cracking shells and consuming oily seeds and they could also be honing their bills. So just like a bald eagle.
0: So when my son wipes his uh, nose on his sleeve, is is he feaking? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, there's probably a, yeah, and every boy does that. uh, No, we, yeah, there's just something we look around and say, you know, why should I carry uh, tissues or handkerchief? I have sleeves.
0: Exactly. uh,
1: Why do they give us long sleeves in the wintertime? You know, it's so we can wipe our noses on them. And, And they give us short sleeves in the summer when we don't need this so much. I hope everyone will come to the cafe today, uh, be careful, it's icy, so, you know, wait till it's a little nicer, but then come to the the cafe where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always the Heimlich Maneuver, and gravy's considered a beverage, and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders, where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any of it. There was... Um, an old and frequent argument at the table this morning as to which way toilet paper should come off a roll.
0: Over the top.
1: Uh, Yep. You know, according to a Continental continental roll poll, 72% of people roll it over the top and 28% prefer their toilet paper to roll under. In a study done by a Dr. Gilda Carl, found that the roll-over set are dominant people. Oh. <laughs> they're more likely to have type A personalities, while the roll-under group, they're more submissive. So if you want to be a president one day, stop rolling your toilet paper from under. We take toilet paper for granted, just as we do things like working zippers. So we just figure they're going to work. And I don't care whether toilet paper comes under or over a roll. Surprise me, but don't surprise me by the lack of toilet paper. And I was talking to a friend, Barb Thompson. She's from New Richland. She told me that when her sister Diane was a young girl, she was given a jump rope. And Diane tried using it, but gave up in disgust by saying, this rope won't jump. And I don't care if a rope jumps, but I do care that toilet paper is available and it (laughs) jumps off the roll, because that's how I roll. Remember, folks, uh, Heartland is while we're driving past. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Uh, Karen, thank you. I enjoyed your company, and I appreciate everybody listening to KMSU. It's great radio.
0: Al, thank you so much. I look forward to chatting with you next week. Until then, happy bird watching. Bye-bye. All right, Bye-bye. Our good friend Al Bat Always love chatting with Al because, well, he's just a cool guy. That's just the way it is. And it is 1031, and you are listening to a Minnesota Morning at KMSU Radio. And uh, I'm going to check the weather. And-